Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, you got a great podcast for you today. I'm going to interview my friend, Dr. Joe Martin, and Dr. Joe is an award-winning speaker, author. He has an organization called Real Men Connect. He says, I'm passionate about helping Christian men win, and he does it all the time. He's just got a great, great heart. He's a former educator. He's got an amazing story of how he grew up and overcame so many odds. He's going to help you learn how to connect with your kids. He's going to give you such great insight into just men, women, kids, family. You're going to love Dr. Joe. You're going to love his enthusiasm, and you're going to love everything about him. It's a great podcast. Uh, come join us. Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Don here, and Suzanne is not because I have a very special guest with me, Dr. Joe Martin. So we're going to bring in. So we're Dr. Joe, you're you're replacing Suzanne today. Welcome. Oh man, uh, don't put that kind of pressure on me, Don. Don't do it to me. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, bro. Hey, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe has a a really cool. Uh, story, his past, as well as just what he's doing today, uh, been in the education business, as well as now has a ministry to men. So tell us a little bit about your background. Wow, man, I don't know where to start. I, I guess what I'll do, uh, yeah, since you started talking about my career, um, I started out in education. Um, the first person in my family to ever graduate from high school. So I didn't come from a, a background of educators. Um, I grew up in a really tough, um, very rough environment. Um, in the ghettos of Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. And for those who are not familiar with um, the city where I grew up in, in Liberty City, if they've never even been to Miami, they've probably heard of it because we're somewhat notorious. Um, I tell you, if you ever heard of a, a video game called Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which absolutely. You shouldn't, allow, shouldn't allow your kids to watch, um, to play that video game. But if you ever heard of that video game, they base one of the series on my city where I grew up. Oh, wow. My neighborhood. And if they're making a video game about your neighborhood, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> um, but the, the kind of stereotypical stuff you hear about growing up in the hood, teenage mother, dad left when um, I was a child. So I, it, it was rough. And I, and I, you know, unless we go there, I won't talk more. Uh, we can talk more about that later. But I'm telling you about the path of education wasn't a path that I knew I was going to go on. Right. I didn't I never planned on going to college. Um, no one in my family ever been to college. Um, so I didn't think about going to education. I just was happy to graduate from high school. And that was a big deal in our family that someone finally graduated from high school wow. in our family. But I say that to set the stage for it because I ended up becoming um, the youngest professor ever hired to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. And so, and I tell you, your wife, my wife knows I'm on a call <laughs> right now. And it's like, she just picks the perfect time when to call me. But, um, <laughs> but um, I was the, I became the youngest professor ever had to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24, graduated from college at the age of 20 at the top of my university class. My goodness. Voted student of the year out of 10,000 students down on my campus um, at a college, about 10,000 students. I was the only African-American male in all of my classes. I mean, um, and I hate to say this on air, but I'll, I'll kind of give you some context. 
The school I went to, I did my undergrad at the University of West Florida. The acronym is UWF, University of West Florida. We said that it stood for University of White Folks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because there, there was less than 5% minorities of any race on our campus. It was wow. all white people. Right. And I ended up graduating there early at the age of 20, top of my university class, had my Ph.D. by the time I was 28 and became the youngest professor in the state of Florida at the age of 24. But that actually motivated me to go into education because I was told I was not college material. I was told I was not smart enough to go to college. And then I ended up becoming a professor. That's why I tell our men all the time that um, that the world may try to predict your future, but only God determines it. Because yeah. it makes no well, sense that I will become an educator. And let me stop right there for just a second. And before we go on and just say, okay, you're coming from a difficult, uh, difficult growing up situation to being very, very motivated. Do, do you remember what, I mean, I'm always, I'm always interested. Now, are you a believer at this time? Um, I would say yes and no. <laughs> and you'll know what I mean by that. Yeah. I was, I was brought up in the church. Um, Got baptized when I was just a boy. My mom made us go to church even when she didn't go to church. Um, and so we had religion. I was introduced to religion, but I did not have relationship. So the best thing my mom ever did was to introduce us to Jesus Christ, even though she wasn't a devout follower herself. She knew there was something bigger than her. And so um, my mom passed away about three years ago. But because she laid the foundation and I was around it more so because she, this is how she made us go to church. If you guys don't go to church, I had a younger sister. Said, if you and Penny don't go to church, then you can't go outside to play. Which should uh, tell your audience now about my age, because that's when kids used to actually go outside to play. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted to go outside to play. There were no video games and all this other stuff. So that was torture for us not to go outside to play. So the only reason we went to church, because we wanted to go outside to play when we got home from church. Right. So, so I did I, that until I um, until I graduated from. <laughs> I'm always I'm always interested though. You know, when we talk about you know that getting to the core of our kids' hearts and and changing belief systems that we change we don't change on the outside we change on the inside you were coming out of a very difficult environment yet very motivated motivated to graduate high school motivated to be the youngest graduate in of college motivated to be the youngest doctoral student what was what do you think and a lot of people I'm, I'm assuming a lot of kids your age in your neighborhood were not motivated the same way can you remember i mean like what was the belief system change that or what what made that happen in your life? Well, you're right about one thing, Don. Um, I, I kind of skirted over the details of me growing up, but to kind of give you more context of how rough I had it, um, before I reached the age of 16, um, um, I watched six of my friends get murdered. Mm -hmm. um, had a dozen friends who were doing time in prison, um, a couple of family members, uh, one that was doing life in prison. And I grew up around a lot of violence and it was no hope in our community. Um, you were expected if you're especially a young um, black male, either you're going to jail or you're going to die before you reach the age of 18. It's just that was inevitable. Um, it, it was it was meant to happen when they used to ask me what I wanted to be when I was growing up in elementary school, middle school. You know how you ask little kids, so, hey, so what do you mm -hmm. want to be when you grow up? Um, people were saying they wanted to be um, um, football players and athletes. We had a lot of great athletes come out of Miami, man. Some made it to the pros. It was crazy. But I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that kid. I was five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. I'm that now, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. So I knew I wasn't getting out on athletic ability. But um, but when they used to ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And no, I'm just telling you the truth. I said alive. 
Mm, wow. Because when you lose six of your friends while you before you reach the age of 16, when you're just seeing them shot, getting off a bus at a party mm-hmm. at, at, on a corner and you're and you're being shot at, too. You, you don't think that you're going to make it if you, you go. to It's one thing to go to one child's funeral. But when you go to six of them and all the caskets are small, mm-hmm. man, that'll mess you up in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really had me thinking I was going to die before I reached the age of 18. That was my childhood growing up. I could care less about homework, you know, taking yeah. tests and passing. I'm thinking if I can just make it to 18, that's monumental. So going back to your question about um, about the belief system, uh, you know, people, I get asked that question a lot. And I don't think people like my answer because it's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. They say, how, how did you do it? Man, you're so special. Oh, by the way, my younger sister, um, who I mentioned earlier, there was two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were so poor that she used to steal food to feed us, mm-hmm. my younger sister. I mm-hmm. became the youngest professor in the state of Florida at the age of 24. She became the first doctor in our family. Oh, my goodness. And my mom didn't even graduate from high school and no dad in the home. You know, so people always want to know, OK, so what was the belief? And it's not glamorous, but I, I got to tell you the truth. It was nothing special, Don. Desperation. Yeah. It wasn't inspiration. Oh, God did this. No, no, no. Yeah. No. See, see, if you you had to be there with me. See, when people want to hear this, like this, form, or this formula, like, oh, boy, if you just trust and you believe in this. Sure, that's, maybe that's somebody else's story. That ain't mine, because I had a gun in my mouth ready to blow my brains out at 16. Mm-hmm. See, I was desperate. I wanted to die. I didn't want to make, I wanted to either take my life before somebody else took it from me. So I didn't think I could make it. So how did I make it? By the grace of God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's out of desperation. I, I wish I could say, oh, if you just do this, and you do this, and you do that. That, that didn't help me. <laughs> I had a mom who was also an alcoholic and who was a abusive but she made us go to church right when she was good she was a great mom but boy when she was bad she was horrible yeah she was horrible Mm -hmm. i was also sexually abused as a child for three years three years was raped for three years there is no formula yeah it's by the grace of god god is real to me because i survived that and when i got out of that hood it was like it wasn't like, oh boy, man, if you just do this, you make it. It was like, whoo, I made yeah. it. Yeah. So what's ironic about it, when I started, um, that's why I went into education, because I've got to believe that there's other kids who were like me, who didn't have the right background, didn't have the family foundation, didn't have the support around them. And yet I survived it. What can I do to give them hope that they can survive it too? Now watch this, Don. They were asked me to come in and speak to these kids, Right. And I've, now I've done it all over the world. But they would ask me to come speak to the kids. Joe, give them hope. Tell them what they can do um, to, you know, because they're, they're rough, traumatic backgrounds, just like me, all this other stuff in there in the city. And the teachers and educators didn't like what I said to them. But that's why I became an educator. I said, okay, if you don't like it, I'm going to teach them. This is all I would tell kids, Don. I'm just being honest. Yeah, <laughs> right? this is good. I said, I said, I'll I, I speak. It'd be high school kids, middle school kids, elementary school kids. I said, some of you are growing up at homes where you don't, your dad is not there. You've been abandoned. Some of you have been sexually abused. Some of you, because this is my life. Mm-hmm. Some of your friends are incarcerated. Some of you don't know if you're going to eat tonight. Some of you only come to school just to eat. That was me, just to get a meal. 
There would be mm-hmm. days I, I would go without eating. Some of you, your friends just died or you watch your friends get murdered. Some of you, your sister been raped. Some of you, yeah, your dad's in prison and I'm going through all this stuff. And they want me to come to tell you what it's going to take for you to succeed. I said, guess what? Just survive this. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't care how you survive. Just outlive it. Because if you can outlive this, it ain't over if you can outlive this. Because if you can outlive this, God has a plan for you. But you got to survive this. They want me to talk to you about college. Forget college. They want me to talk to you about getting your grades so you can graduate. Forget graduating from high school. Just outlive this mess. Mm-hmm. Teachers didn't like me when I told kids that. But see, th- but see, that's why I almost died because nobody told me that. Right. That's I thought because I wasn't getting out. good grades, I wasn't graduating, I wasn't doing mm-hmm. all this, I'm not going to make it. Nobody told me you just got to be breathing. Well, and do you think that, so, all right, so you have, you know, most of our audience, I would say, is not in the ghetto where you were, okay? Mm-hmm. So does you think that as you've, but then you became an educator, you got in a different world, you got, <laughs> I think that's hilarious, the University of White Folks, that's just so funny to me. But, um, but so you're getting in a different world and you've been an educator, you've talked to a lot of different kids, a lot of different people now. I, you know, I, I, there may be a kid in, a, in an affluent high school or whatever, and they may not be, at the same level of abuse or whatever, and they, they may be eating or whatever, but but their problem they see is huge, whatever that problem is. Do you, I mean, do, is that good advice to give parents to say, hey, sometimes just help your kid get to the next day? Right. Just help them. I mean, do you think that applies across the socioeconomic and all the, the things that when you're seeing kids today that they may be from affluent households, but they're still dealing with addictions and, and, you know, and all the things they're doing. How do you speak to those parents from what you just said out of your story and, and from your education and all the kids you've talked to? The exact same way. And I'm going to share it now. See, what your, your audience doesn't know is what I did before I do what I do now. Yeah. Um, I became, not only did I become an educator, I became a great educator. So good that they wanted me to turn. How does this dude connect with so many kids? How come these kids resonate with him? How come they listen? You're talking about from all levels, from the fluent to the dirt poor. And so I ended up becoming a trainer of teachers. I've trained over a quarter of a million teachers all over the world, four different countries, including in every state, at least twice, about at least 750 school districts. I've worked. That was my life down before men's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with, I mean, I was, this was my life. You're talking about 60 to 70 cities a year of training educators. And, and, and you so, trained and you trained them on what? What was your trained them on how to connect with kids? Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what, what I wanted teaching, to bring out. Yeah. Yeah. What you're teaching them how to do with parents, I'm showing them here's why you're not connecting with your children. Joe, I don't understand what's wrong with my teenager. I don't know what's wrong with my son. I don't know why my daughter won't talk to me. How do I get them to open up? How come they won't listen to anybody? How come they're rebellious? Why they get so quiet? Are they I'm scared of them doing sex. I'm planning to get involved in drugs. I showed them how to break through those barriers to communicate with any kid. And when they used to see me do it, they're like, how can this guy who doesn't know my child get to my child quicker than I can? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what you just asked me. How do you talk to see 
See, Don, here's the biggest mistake. Everybody, some people out there think it's listening. Oh, my kid didn't grow up like Joe Martin. That's the problem. You think your kid is different because they didn't grow up in the hood. I don't see it that way. Mm. Oh, Don, you and Suzanne are in your, guess what? Your kid's the same kids I grew up with in the project. You don't see it the same way because you're looking at the wrong thing. See, I looked at something different, and that's why I taught trained teachers on how to do it. It doesn't matter where you came from. We all got different stories, but our struggles are the same. Now, Don, let's answer this question. I'm going to put you on the, on the couch right now. Good Uh-oh. example. Me Uh-oh. and you. We can't be two different people, can we? Yeah, same for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually absolutely. had a freaking role model growing up, didn't you? <laughs> you see yeah, what I mean? yeah. Came with the Solomon. So you can't get more different than me, right? That's what you think we're different. I don't. Yeah. That's why my ministry is so doggone big. Yeah. I don't see the difference. I'm going to show you that, Don, guess what? Me and you need each other. And I'm going to show you right now. And you never even thought about it this way. Let me ask you this question. Don, have you ever been lonely? Sure. Have you, felt, uh, have you ever felt depressed sometimes? Yeah. Have you ever been sad? Yep. Have you been hurt? Definitely. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody you trusted? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been um, um, been misunderstood? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Have, have, have you ever been just mentally exhausted? Mm-hmm. Did you ever um, did you ever feel like, wow, no matter how hard I try, my best just isn't good enough? Yeah, seems like daily on that one. All right. Don, listen to me. Me too. <laughs> right. Right. See, you're looking at eating. You're looking at bullets. That wasn't why I was going to kill myself. Because I was lonely. I was depressed. I was afraid. I was disconnected. Mm-hmm. I was misunderstood. I felt hopeless. Don, you felt every one of those things. Right. The only difference is, Don, you had somebody to go to. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So what I had to let, get teachers to understand that you don't have to come from the same side of the train tracks. Connect on what is bothering the person. Don, you still you could have connected me in the hood. If you spoke to my hopelessness, mm-hmm. my feelings of insecurity, Don, you've been insecure. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk to me about when you felt insecure to a kid in the hood who's feeling insecure? You're talking about what we got in the refrigerator. No, you, what you got in your fridge is different than what I have. But you, you've been insecure, but you're rich. Mm. You've been lonely, but you got friends all over, all over the place. You've been afraid, but man, you live in a, in a safe neighborhood. What do you mean you're afraid? Afraid of what? See, the reason why we don't connect with people, because we don't connect to each other's pain and their suffering and their hurt. Don, I know you love your kids. I can get the stuff in your kids you will never get to Mm -hmm. because you got to be willing to talk about your junk to be able to connect to their junk. That's why you look at our ministry, Don, we love the freaking United Nations. We got every nationality. You know what I tell people about our ministry? It looks more like heaven than church. Some of y'all listeners get that later. (laughs) I I go to a predominantly white Mm -hmm. church, right? Mm -hmm. And one time I heard a pastor say, Mm -hmm. boy, isn't it great to be here? Um, how we're worshiping together, and boy, this is how heaven's going to be. I'm like, I hope heaven don't look like this. Right. <laughs> like, because all I see are white people. Right. 
And see, but when you come into our ministry, guess what you see, Don? You say, this looks like heaven. Now, the question is this, Don, why does my ministry look like heaven, but the church I go to doesn't? Because our churches, guess what? We're lifting up Jesus, hope we're edifying Jesus, but guess how we get them to come to Jesus? We go to their hurt. Mm -hmm. We go to their pain, their suffering. And you wouldn't believe all the white guys and Latino guys and Asian guys in our group like, I never thought I'd have this much in common with some guy from the hood. Yeah. Don, it's that easy. I'm just, I'm just surprised we're so freaking clueless that that's how you connect with anybody. I can connect with anyone, Don. I don't care if the president of the United States or somebody going and somebody in a prison. Yeah. Have you seen anything good on social media lately? Probably not, but hey, we have something good. What about following us, Crazy Cool Family? Our platforms are centered on inspiring and challenging parents to drip Jesus-focused culture into their families daily. So join the movement of families just like yours who are following Crazy Cool Family on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, and start receiving daily drops of encouragement into your feed. If you already follow us, share the next post you see or tell a friend about any of these platforms. Yeah, you know, we were just teaching the other day, and I want you to, I want to bring this back to parents a little bit, you know, but it said, and Suzanne brought this out, she said, you know, in Luke 2, you know, Jesus is at the temple, you know, and he goes in and he says, um, um, let's see, we're, uh, you know, it says, uh, um, let's see, where was this in here? I was just looking, anyway, it, there's a verse in there about where Jesus is talking to his parents and he said um, uh, that they didn't understand what he, oh, there it is. He said, you know, she says, um, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. He says, why were you searching for me? He said, didn't I know you had to be in my, I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And Suzanne made the point, hey, parents, do sometimes you not understand what your teenager is saying to you? Does it seem like a different language? So, you know, and you were talking about going across uh, racial boundaries and different socioeconomic boundaries and everything else. Man, we got a lot of parents going, I got this teenager in my home, this 13-year-old or this 17-year-old or even a 7-year-old in these days, and I don't understand what's coming out of their mouths. I don't understand how to relate to them. What I'm hearing you saying is that one pathway, one great pathway for them is to relate to their hurts. Right. And to relate our hurts to their hurts. Yes. Okay. I think our parents can take a very valuable lesson out of that. I want to get to the culture thing in just a minute, because I think that's another thing you can really help our audience with in particular. But, um, but let's talk about just their kids for a second. How did you teach educators, which really, you know, how to connect through hurts to their kids? Okay, and I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to cover that, but I thought you were going to mention the scripture. I thought you were going to mention scripture when um, when the parents was looking for Jesus. And remember this part? And this is what I talk about, guys, when it goes over race and culture and everything else. Yeah. Remember when um, they came looking for Jesus and this, um, they said, Jesus, your parents, this is before the parents talked to them, parents, your parents are looking for you. They, they're looking, and what did Jesus say? Who is yeah. my mother? Let's Who see. is my mother? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's is my yeah, father. Yeah, yeah. Only who does the will of God. See, Jesus knew that, wait a minute, you guys are looking at these superficial connections. 
but there's some deeper spiritual connections. Your brother and sister are who are on the right on you guys on one accord pursuing God's purpose, God's plan and his purpose for your life. He wasn't telling you to ignore your mom and your dad, but he says, don't don't get it twisted <laughs> that this is bigger than this. These these earthly relationships, you're them by biological, by blood. Look what Jesus had to go through with his own brothers. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. with him. yeah. Absolutely. But going back down to what you're saying about the teachers, what I would tell teachers, I said, because man, I love being educated. I never thought I'd be working with men because I just loved it so much. I love working with students. I love working with kids. I love training teachers on how to work with kids. And one of the biggest things I used to tell them, Don, is I said, here's the reason why you're struggling. And this could be the same thing with parents in the household with their kids. Here's, we have such a heart because we love our kids so much. The first thing we want to do when we see them in trouble is we want to help them. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't? Right. You see somebody, you want to help them, help them. I said, that's, that's good, but you're starting in the wrong place. All right. Yeah, and they're, and they're starting there. They're starting with the best intentions. Yeah. And, but I mean, to me, good intentions, that, they don't mean nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> you better have strategy. Right. Okay. <laughs> and so you can have the greatest intentions. What is it? What's that cliche? The good intentions, the, the, the way to hell is paid with good yeah. intentions. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Randy Travis song. <laughs> yeah. But then let's get biblical. He says, Though a man plans his way, that God establishes his step, and even good things that we desire to do can lead to death. Right. Right. And so the problem that I saw with uh, what teachers had um, was the fact is that they want to help. They really want to help. I said, okay, keep that in mind, but you can't start there. Mm -hmm. See, before you can help somebody, your child, you have to first give them hope. Because if they need help, they don't have the answers. That's why we are wise. We have experience. We have knowledge. We have all the stuff that can help them. But we want to give we want to give them that right now. They're not ready for that right now. So because they're feeling whatever they're stuck in. You've seen kids and you have enough of them done yourself to know that when they're going through a crisis, they think it's the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> they right. like, my goodness, that's nothing. But, you know, that's nothing. But to them, it, it's everything because they're feeling hopeless. So you can't help them unless you give them hope. But here you go. So, Joe, we start with hope. No. You can't give them hope till you understand their hurt. Mm -hmm. So you start with uncovering the hurt. You deal with the hurt. Then through that hurt, you give them hope. And through that hope, now they're ready to listen to what the answer is for help. And let me give you a quick example. And this happened with a, um, when I was doing some training at a, um, a school district down in Florida. And I was there for the teachers to give them some training on how to connect with the kids. And then they asked me to do them a favor because I had a late flight. They said, Joe, we know you came here to do in-service training for us, but would you mind speaking to our children, our kids? Now, I'm not getting paid for this, Don. They asked me to do yeah. it like an extra since I got time. I said, okay, sure, yeah, I'll do it. I spoke for 30 minutes to um, some some to some kids, some elementary school kids. After we were done, it went well, it was like 30 minutes. We're gone. I just met them. Remember, I just met them 30 minutes. That's it. Trained the teachers like four hours. Mm -hmm. Worked with the kids 30 minutes. All I did is share my testimony. That's all I did. Just share my testimony and answer a few questions that they had and everything. Well, after I'm done, about maybe an hour later, the principal comes to me and she gives me a letter. Boy, I wish I had the letter with me. 
I say I have the letter that I share with teachers mm -hmm. a lot of time. And the letter, she said, I said, what's this? He said, one of my students told me to give this to you. And she told me not to read it. I said, okay. She said, but I read it anyway. I said, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, if she told you to give it to me and not read it, why'd you read it? She said, I read it, Joe, because you don't know this student. I said, well, tell me a little bit about this student. She said, well, it's a girl. Her name is Deja. And Joe, all I can tell you is that she is a nightmare at our school. She, she said, not only is she just mean and nasty to other kids, she likes particularly fighting boys. <laughs> it's a girl, little girl. Wow. <laughs> likes to fight boys, right? I'm like, wow. And she said, and Joe, I'm not kidding you that we we celebrate if she doesn't come to class, you know, that doesn't come to school. <laughs> We're just happy when she doesn't show up. But um, when she came up to me and gave me the letter to give to you, I thought maybe she's threatening you or something, right? <laughs> so you said, so I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure before I gave it to what she writing in to, to him. And Joe, when I read her letter, I could not believe it. And she gave it to me and I read the letter. And I'm summarizing, I actually have the letter, but I summar I'll summarize this way. Thank you for coming to our school. I can relate to your story. She didn't use the word relate. She said, I, your story, she said, your story is like mine. Mm -hmm. I hated my life. I hate my life now. Sometimes I just want to die. But hearing you today, and she, she misspelled inspired. She spelled it with an E. But you inspired me, elementary school. You inspired me today. Thank you for coming. I hope you come again. Now, why is this so important, Don? Deja was seven years old. Uh -huh. She was a second grader. What second grade writes like that? She only misspelled one word and was inspired. Soon as I get the letter, the I don't know, the Holy Spirit came up. I just said, told the principal, I forgot the principal name. I said, go get her. I'm going to show you this applied now, what I just told you about connecting with kids. Go get her. Don, I have no idea what I'm going to say to this little girl. No idea. Mm -hmm. But guess what I know I can't do? Help her. Can't help her. Why? That's not the place to start. She's probably feeling what? Hopeless. Mm -hmm. So what do I got to connect to first? Her hurt. Her hurt. Deja comes, the cutest little girl. First, at the time, I ain't going to lie to you. When I saw she had these pigtails, right? And I'm thinking, that's the devil? Yeah. <laughs> like that, right? yeah. And I'm that's like, the one beating up all the boys. I see she looks so cute. I was like, that's how the devil trick us. Yeah. <laughs> these yeah. packages, right? <laughs> he looks so innocent. It's so, I'm like, she looked like... Like if she opened her mouth, strawberries would come out of her mouth. That's how cute <laughs> she looked, right? So it kind of shocked me that she looked so doggone adorable, mm -hmm. right? So she comes up to me and she looks really, really shy, right? This is a girl who go around beating up boys, torturizing teachers and all this other stuff. And I said, Deja? She said, yeah. I said, come on, come here. And I go right to the hurt. I said, Deja. I said, thank you for the letter that you wrote me. She said, oh, you, you welcome. She wouldn't look me in the eye. She said, you welcome. I said, no, I, I really appreciate it. I said, but Deja, can I ask you something? She said, well, I said, 
you mentioned in your letter that you hated your life and you wanted to die. Why would you want to die? What makes you want to die? How old are you? And she's at seven. I said, you only seven? Why would you want to die? I'm asking about her hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She tells me that she looks around, Don, making sure nobody is around. Because the prince was not around, just me and her. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, because I don't think God likes me. I said, why would you say that? She said, because I pray to God that um that my my daddy would um stop beating my mommy. Mm-hmm. So she's talking about a domestic violence at home. Dad beating mom. Don, I want you to catch this because I don't want you to miss it. I can't relate to that. I didn't have a dad to beat up my mom. Mm-hmm. She missed me on that. Oh, no connection. I'm sorry. I can't help this girl. Because we don't come from the same background. Have no experience with that. But no, I'm being facetious. Right. So I said, um... Wow, your daddy beats your mom. Yeah, he said, sometimes I think he's going to kill her. And I said, I pray to God. And I said, God, please stop my, stop my daddy from beating my mommy. He said, but she, he keeps beating her. I said, oh, Deja, that's, that's horrible. I said, so you pray to God? She said, yeah. I said, so what are the prayers that you're asking God that he's not answering? I'm still trying to uncover the hurt mm-hmm. that's causing her to feel hopeless. Then she looks around again. I asked God to um, stop my mommy from beating me when she's mad at my daddy. Now I'm getting to some more root. Mm -hmm. Now she has a physically abusive mom who's taking out her anger on little Deja and putting Deja at risk. And then Deja immediately says this when she says it. I'm such a bad girl. I'm, if I could, if I'd just been better, she wouldn't have to beat me. She wouldn't be mad at me. She would have to be, and then my daddy wouldn't beat my mommy. And she's going, and she's going off, and she's crying. Now watch it. I've uncovered enough hurt that I know why this little girl is feeling hopeless. Can't leave her there. What I need to now give her hope. And here's how you give kids hope, Don. I said, Deja, I understand. She said, she looks at me. You do. I said, I know how it feels. Watch what I go to. I know how it feels when God doesn't answer your prayers. Mm. Didn't say I understand a daddy beating up the mother. Loneliness, fear, insecurity, doubt. Don, man, you come from different backgrounds. God always answered all your prayers too. Well, oh yeah, all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I got her. So I know, I said, there's, there's my end right there. She says, you do? I said, oh, Deja, I used to pray all the time to God to answer my prayers. And guess what, Deja? He didn't answer me either. He, and then watch her. She said, he did? Mm. I said, Deja, guess what I used to pray to God in prayer? Nothing she can relate to other than unanswered prayer. I said, Deja, I used to pray that my mom would stop drinking. Because mm-hmm. Deja, when she used to drink, boy, she'd be, she would get mean. And oh, it would scare me and my sister all the time. 
But Deja, she didn't stop drinking. And I said, I prayed to God, I said, God, I'm tired of not having a dad. Would you bring my dad back home? I said, because mm -hmm. I didn't even have a dad in my house. And I never knew who my dad was, but I wanted to meet him. So I would pray every night that God would bring my dad home so I get to at least meet my dad. And I said, Deja, he didn't answer those prayers either. Now, you may be wondering, Don, how are you giving a hope? Watch. <laughs> I said, and no, he didn't answer those prayers. He said, he didn't. And I said, Deja, I wondered the same thing. Why isn't God answering my prayers? And I said, but Deja, guess what I'll also find out? That eventually he does answer prayers. It may not be when we want to, but he does. He said, he does. I said, because Deja, he did end up answering my prayers. He did? Now she's getting a little bit hopeful. Right. I said, because my mommy, she stopped drinking a long time ago, Deja. But not when I was seven. And I used to pray when I was seven. And I said, Deja, my dad eventually came back home and I got to meet my dad. And I got a relationship with my dad now. Mm. But Deja, he didn't come back home when I was praying at seven or eight or nine or 10. I said, but Deja, God did answer my prayers. I said, Deja. I think, I said, you just helped me understand something. She said, what's that? I said, why God didn't answer my prayers when I was your age. And I was telling her the truth. God spoke to me through this little girl. She says, why? I said, Deja, don't you get it? Because if he would have answered my prayers then when I was your age, I couldn't tell you I understand now. Mm -hmm. So here I'm here to tell you, Deja, I came here to tell you, he is going to answer your prayers. But Deja, you got to now help me out. Because now what am I getting ready to offer her now? Yeah. Help. Yeah. Deja, is it true that you fight boys? <laughs> I'm asking her about it. Yeah. And now she's a little bit like, yes. I say, Deja. She says, yeah, but they get on my nerves. <laughs> I said, Deja, I understand that. I said, but Deja, God loves you. And he wants to answer your prayers. He wants to help you. And he is going to do that. But Deja, God is not going to allow us to get to a good place in a bad way. So Deja, even though it may be hard, you're going to have to treat these boys better. You're going to be more, have to be more respectful to your teachers. Mm -hmm. And Deja, I know it's going to be hard, but God has a plan for you and it's to get you to a good place, but he can't get you there in a bad way. So can you do me a favor? Can you go back to your teachers and tell them you're sorry for how you treated them and how you've been acting at school? She said, yes, I can. I said, and here's what I want you to do with your parents. I want you to go back to your mom and dad separately and go to your mom and tell your mom you love her and that you're praying for her. And she looked at me kind of funny, right? Mm -hmm. I, I said, she's, and I said, she's going to look at you funny like you're looking at me, Deja, and ask her, why are you praying for me? Because, mommy, I'm praying that I become a, a better child so you don't have to be mad and hit me all the time. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try to do better so you don't have to hit me and beat me all the time. And I said, I want you to go to your dad, give your dad a hug and say, daddy, I'm praying for you. 
I'm praying for you that, that, that God will make you happy so you don't have to beat up mommy and hit mommy. I said, Deja, they're not going to understand why you said that. And I said, you know what? I said, all you do is say that and continue to do the right things. Trust me. Your situation is going to change. Either your parents are going to change, but you're going to be protected. And then I went to go talk to then She went up. She gave me a hug and she went off. I'm talking to the um, principal. They had no idea, Don. She was going through that at home. Oh, How sure. can a stranger come in from outside? You see this kid every day, five days a week. What happened? What happened is you're missing it. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the kid's behavior, but you're not getting to the root of the behavior. So good. So that's where the connection. So you start with uncover. And all you got to do to uncover the hurt is ask questions yep. around anger, around fear, around hurt and sadness. Trust me, you will uncover it quickly, quicker than you think. If they're well, going to be, if they trust you and honest enough to share it with you. And, and just, you know, what a great story, first of all. And just, um, you know, I, I just wrote down three things there just to understand the hurt first. And then you can give them hope mm -hmm. and then you can help. Then you can help. Them. And, and really what's happened is, and you also mentioned studying the, you know, like reacting to the behavior versus getting to the core mm -hmm. hurt. You know, as we ask questions and as we dig deeper, uh, we, we, and, and really the other thing is, is we think so many parents, I think, think I can't relate to my teenager. But in reality, we all relate to hurts. Yes, we all relate to hurt. We all, we, we all relate to the pain. It may not be the same pain. It may mm. not be, you know, I've never been through this issue with technology before. Or, I've, you know, I, I hear that all the time from parents. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it just it was a lot easier in our day. Uh, okay, so what? <laughs> you know, basically, let's still, you know, it, it, we still dealt with, the girl didn't like me, or we still dealt with, right. you know, whatever happened that made still, us still feel a rejection. Insecure. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm making even more super simple, Don, <laughs> for, for, for parents out there listening. I didn't come up with that. Hurt, hope, help. Guess who did that? Jesus. Yep. Jesus, now think about it. Who can relate to Jesus? Jesus, bro. Jesus related to everybody. He went right when he would meet people and he got in trouble because he reached to the people who nobody wanted to deal with. But Jesus spoke to their hurt first. Gave them hope and led them to let me tell you the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. You've been looking. Here's your hurt. Wow. You know that about me? Man, how did he know? And then, wow. But you've been looking for hope in all the wrong things. Yeah, absolutely. now I'm going to give you the truth, the way in the life that's going to help you out of this and keep you out of it. And let's good example. And you mentioned technology, right? They said, man, I didn't have to deal with that stuff either, Don. Neither did you when we were growing up. All the technology. Mm -hmm. It isn't the technology. Why are they depending on it? Get to that. Right. Because right. of loneliness. I need acceptance. I need approval. I need affirmation. Guess what? Yeah. You needed that too when you were growing up. Absolutely. But they now it's in a package on, on social media to do it. 
So my thing is, oh, so that's what my kids are looking for. Affirmation, approval, acceptance. Guess what I need to do? Make time for each child to make sure they're affirmed, they're accepted, they're approved. So they don't have to go to social media to get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome. Hey, Dr. Joe, we've only got a few more minutes. And, and mm -hmm. I think the Lord just <clears throat> keeps bringing this into my heart. And, and you know, um, and so I want to I want to ask one more question that's not related to kids. Okay. But, you know, we got, you know, you were talking about being in your in your church that's predominantly white. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a lot of us, you know, are in those churches and then uh, or maybe predominantly African-American churches right. or predominantly Chinese churches or predominantly yep. whatever, uh, Asian churches, whatever. Let me ask you a question. So um, we got a lot, but we have a lot of people that are dealing with a lot of different nationalities, different types of people, different socioeconomic people in their workplaces, in their, you know, in the day to day, you know, more and more the, the, the cultures are coming together in so many ways. How would you say that you would um, apply that, what we've just been talking to in, a lot of times we don't talk to people from other cultures because we feel like we don't quote unquote relate to them. Right. You, uh, you're not, you don't do that and you've had success in this area. Okay, help our people out taking those same principles how does it apply into relating to people who are not like us? And it could be not just different nationalities. People, we may be believers and they're not believers. Right. You know, uh, things like that. So let's let's end on that note. Easy. Easy. And we train our men on how to do that now. Because um, you have some people who are introverts, some people are extroverts. You have some yeah. people who don't like confrontation. Some people who, I don't know the right things to say. I don't know how to do. I don't know how to maintain and get conversation. I get it. So my background, my undergrad degree is in communication, my master's in communication, my doctor's in education. So before I got into education, I was pursuing communication and I worked in the field of communication. And so um, I know how to communicate and break down barriers. But here's one of the easiest ways to do it. And I train men across the country on how to build relationships and reach across the aisle, across the street, across all these different barriers. And you can do it at work because I've done it to build this ministry. Right. But I'm getting ready to share with you because I got to make a confession, Don. I'm not a people person. <laughs> okay. Believe it or not, I'm not. I'm that actually introverted. Yeah. yeah. And I get my energy from being by myself. Right. I get that. Work, being around people is a, a necessary thing for me, not because mm -hmm. I want to, because God has called me to it. And I'm still quitting. God, why me? You know what? I, I don't even like being around people. Why, why, <laughs> why, you, why I got all these people around me all the time? Right. But I know how to get past that. And here's what you do. It goes back to connecting with the child. You don't have to be a great talker. You have to become a master at asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. So they can do most of the talking. Everybody's, you ever heard this saying, Don, everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM, what's in it for me? Right, right, right. You want to connect with anybody, get them to talk about themselves, which shouldn't be hard, <laughs> okay? Because yeah. most people do want to talk about themselves. But what you do is you, you ask four questions. You may not even get to all four of them, but you'll see how easy it is. And it has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with gender, has nothing to do with culture, economic. You can do this from the CEO of a billion, a billion, billion, billion dollar company or somebody who just you met homeless. It don't matter. All right. Four questions. The first question I'm going to ask you, Don, if you and I just met each other and because I usually initiate it by taking somebody out to lunch, mm -hmm. you know, 
That's how I do. If I see somebody, okay, oh, I don't, I don't have, I need some more white friends. Let me go ask Don out for lunch. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> I, I will ask you out for lunch. And, and I mean, I actually do this. All right. Uh -huh. Before COVID, I used to do it like two or three times a week. Right. right. I find somebody and I ask them out. Don, here's the truth. I don't want to go out to lunch with you because I don't rather, I don't want to be around people. Because you're an introvert. But, yeah, because I'm an introvert. But God says, no, mm -hmm. this, you need to do this. Now I see why God is making me do it. Because you're going to be teaching others how to do it who feel just like you do. See, if I was a gregarious, outgoing, extroverted person, most men couldn't relate to me. Because they'll think, man, I don't get that kind of personality. Right. <laughs> but they know, like, yeah, Joe, even my guys know, Joe really don't like being around people. <laughs> I could be by myself. I'm the only person who likes to be on a deserted island and nobody on the island but me nobody and there. my Bible in a, in a pad. I don't even need my family there. Just me and a Bible and something to write with. That's all I need, right? So here's the first question. Ask him, what's your story? So I'm asking you, I said, Don, so what's your story? And you look at me kind of funny. Joe, what do you mean, what's your story? Don, I mean, as far as, um, we, you know, we're meeting here at Chipotle or Starbucks or whatever. Um, Are you from Chattanooga? Well, where, mm. you know, where'd you come from? Where where, where were you born? Oh, so you grew up in, uh, in, oh, so you live in Dallas. So tell me a little bit about how it is that I'm asking about your story, letting you share as much or as little as you want to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. So tell me, and now if I want to park there and not even get to the other three questions, I can just stay there. So tell me what was it like growing up as a boy in that city? Didn't you tell me, Don, that you grew up there your whole life? What was that like? Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up in that neighborhood? What about the people you grew up with? Are they still there? You see how I can keep asking more Ooh, questions yeah. to get to know you? Mm -hmm. And all I got to do is ask a question, shut up. Ask a question, shut up. Ask a question, <laughs> shut up. I don't have to talk. I don't have to lead the conversation. I'm just guiding it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's your story? Let's yeah. say I would say, OK, I want to get paid. OK, Don is not sharing too much about his story. OK, I'm going to stop right there. Let me ask the next question. Don, if you could succeed at anything, anything. Now, this works for non-believers or believers. It doesn't even matter what their faith is. Now, I may ask you different if I know you are a believer. If you could do anything for God and succeed at it, Don, what would you do? But if you're a non-believer, if you could succeed at anything and couldn't fail, Don, what would it be? And Don, see, that first question is going to tell me about your past and give me your testimony. The second is telling me about your secret desires. Mm -hmm, your dreams. If you don't go around telling everybody what you would do if you couldn't fail, mm -hmm. but you might confide and tell me. Now, if I want to stop and park there. So Don, so really, so that's what you want to do. You want to help families who have kids. And how? what made you decide to pick that? Mm -hmm. Why that? What inspired that? What encouraged you? Wow, that sounds awesome. I can part there and ask more questions or I can move on. But now here's my third question. Don, thank you for sharing that with me. Man, I didn't know you want to work with family. So, Don, if you're not doing that right now, what's stopping you? That's what I'm asking. Uh -huh. What's stopping you? Whereas the first got me, you told me about your past. The second question, tell me what your desire is for what you see as a vision for yourself, the future. But now I'm getting something a little bit deeper, your fears. Your excuses. Now, if I ask mm -hmm. you, why are you scared? You may clam up. But I ask, what's it? And it's strategic. What's stopping you? Mm -hmm. I didn't ask you what you're afraid of. What's stopping you? I didn't ask, what excuses are you using? I didn't say that. What stop? What do you think is stopping you? Based on what you say, now I get a, an understanding. Wow, he feels a little bit insecure in that area. Oh, he's a little bit nervous in that area. And I'm listening, man. So why do you feel that way, Don? Wow. So you have you always felt that way that you couldn't do it because of that? Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. I'm just listening. 
Then I ask my last question. And Don, this is going to make sure we stay connected after this. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for telling me what your secret is out. Thank you for letting me know what's really stopping. Man, wow. Man, I see what you mean. So, Don, uh, let me ask you this. Um, what can I do to support and serve you and helping you do that thing you always wanted to do? Now, I'm not promising you anything, Don, because I mean, but I may know somebody who may know somebody who may know somebody. Right, right. Oh, I had some experience in that, Don. Oh, boy, you really, I got a resource I need to share with you, Don. What can I do to serve and support you? Mm -hmm. Now, Don, why is that so important? Because most of us, if we have a hard time connecting, we have a guard up. Mm -hmm. We keep thinking people want something from us. But I didn't ask, what can you do for me, did I? Mm -hmm. I asked, what can I do for you? Yeah. And you're not committing to anything either. You're yeah. just seeing what the next step is. Yeah. What's the next step? What can yeah. I do to, yeah. I, man, I can't promise you anything, but man, if there's anything I can do to support you and help you, I'll do the best I can. What, what can I do? This is my background and this, 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 and this. What can I do? Well, Dr. Joe, I know we got a, I know you've got a deadline here we got to hit, but also um, I want to thank you for sharing your heart with us. Uh, really uh, just fascinating, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, crazy cool family people, you know, we, we've talked about getting to your hurt, getting to the hurt before we give them the hope, before we help, and also just, you know, listening, asking good questions. You, you said ask and then shut up. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. If we got one thing out of this podcast today, <laughs> that's a great one to do. Ask <laughs> and shut up. <laughs> listen, hey, uh, listen. We got, we got about, a, we got just a couple minutes left here. Uh, if people want to connect with you, you know, what, what's the best way for them to stay, to learn more about your ministry, learn more about what you're doing? What's the best way to connect? If they want to learn about more of what we do, Don, that's easy. Just go to realmenconnect.com. Think about this. Real men, what do they do? They connect. Realmenconnect.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. Yeah, that's if they want to learn more about us. Now, if they're struggling with something specifically, in dealing with their teen or whatever it may be, or the kid or whatever, or something that we discuss, and they want to talk to me yep. about it, um, we have limited slots that we set up every week that they can set up a call with me. And that's easy too. Just go to realmenconnect.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. Now, I gotcha. can't promise you how many slots will be available because they tend to fill up pretty fast. But if they, but I have designated times where I will talk to you, no different than I'm talking to you right now on the Zoom. It'll be via Zoom. Yep. And- I give them a certain amount of time. I say, bring me your issue. Let's discuss it. So they want to connect with me personally is realmencconnect.com forward slash call. If they can find an uh, empty slot, um, reserve it, and I'll meet them there at that time. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know our, our listeners are going to benefit greatly from this. Um, I hope everybody has benefited as I have. And just um, then... Um, and we always say, parents, at the end of this, go be crazy. You know, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com. 